Welcome to God's Table Talk, where real life stories and testimonies of faith are brought to the table. I'm your host, Paul Eck. So in this episode of God's Table Talk, we're talking with Colton Chatham, who is living in Oklahoma now. And uh, Colton, give us a little background. Give us a little history of, of your life. Oh, it was rough. Um, let's just say to me, I always thought this was hell. I thought earth was hell because of what I did grow up in. You know, I was, everything was fine up probably till fourth grade. I moved away from my mom and I moved in with my dad. I was 10, 12 years old. And with my mom, it was great. It was awesome. But the problem was, is she was, she was a mom. But the thing was, is I was into fighting. I didn't care. I just, I was constantly in fights from pre-K to fourth grade. I was in ISS literally every day. I didn't allow people to mess with me. And it wasn't nothing that I went and looked for a fight, but if they wanted it, I wasn't going to back down. And so moving in with my dad when I was 10, 12 years old, it kind of changed me a lot. Um, growing up with him, I thought he was the spawn of Satan. He was a dick. He just, he's military, Marine Corps. He should have been a, a drill sergeant straight up to the T. I mean, and being raised around him, I didn't think there, there could be a help. I had to ask God and why, you know, what the heck, why am I stuck with this man? And it just, I don't know. It's, I wouldn't have been able to make it through without knowing that there was God because of how rough it was. Um, I was raised around drug houses a lot, not specifically drug houses, but it was around my mom, my dad, his wife, her, her mom, my mom's, other husband that she got married to it was nothing but mess and so it was constantly me just being by myself with my what was she 20 she's 26 now but we were always together me and nakona she's a second oldest of six of us and then whenever my dad and his wife got married they had four kids i was a glorified babysitter i didn't get to go out and hang out with friends i didn't get to go do this fun stuff you know that most of these kids did I was either waking up at seven o'clock in the morning, going to work outside and doing stupid stuff, or I was babysitting. I was the glorified babysitter so they could go do their drugs. And that was it. Let me ask you, I know that you told me before we started the interview that your both your your grandparents were very, uh, very involved in the Christian church and in the Baptist church. Your grandfather was a preacher, correct? Yes. Um, he was actually one of Oklahoma's most wanted. Uh, way back in the day, big biker guy. Yeah, my grandpa's got a story of himself. He, it was it was quite a, a weird deal. One day, I guess my my grandmother Mimi had taken my mom and her two sisters to church one day. Got all dressed up, real nice and whatever. And grandpa's in his his biker stuff and a white tank top and his jeans. And he was like, "This lady's cheating on me. She got all dolled up, you know, whatever. I'm gonna follow her." Well, he followed her and ended up actually going into a church, sat at the back of the pew. And he said, as soon as he sat there, he said, the Holy Spirit touched him and he quit smoking weed, quit drinking. And just they started their own church. Literally 20, actually 30 years because I wasn't born yet. 30 years to the day they started a church in Elmore City, Oklahoma, and they moved it from Elmore City to Lovington, New Mexico. And they stayed out there for 24 years, I want to say. And yeah, so Grandpa has his own story himself. It's it's pretty rough. Do you remember them trying to instill a God, Jesus, in your life when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. 
every day, every day. I mean, every time we'd go in the house and it wasn't just me, it was me and my cousins and everything. It was, you need to read your Bible. You need to open your Bible. And it was always something to talking about God. And grandpa's a very stern man, very stern. And so every time I'd say, no, I'm good. I'm, you know, it's whatever. And he would start telling me these deals. Oh, you you know, you're not going to have enough time. You know, there's, you never know when you're going to die. And I'm just like, grandpa, that's fine. I don't care. It is what it is. Like I hated reading. I wasn't going to read my Bible. And yeah, it was, it was an everyday thing, occurrence, especially when I showed up to their house. Have you been in your Bible? Have you talked to God? No, uh, just leave me alone about it. So now what about, uh, I know that you got involved with the rodeo at, at one point. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, my dad fought bulls for 24 years. So, you know, growing up, seeing him do it, I had this just huge interest in rodeo. And my thing was, is I didn't know what I wanted to do, but eight seconds was my favorite movie. I looked up to Lane Frost like no other. That was my, I can name everything about that movie. Every verse that's in that movie, I can name it. And so I wanted to ride bulls. I was horrible. Absolutely horrible. I should have never done it. Uh, but, you know, I, I crushed my face in 2007. Left side of my face, completely titanium. Doctor said I should have been dead. Two centimeters from my, my brain. Why am I still alive? So what, what happens? Explain a little bit what happened to you on this bull ride. Um, well, the only thing I remember is literally getting, getting tied in, scooting up on my rope, getting ready to go. Next thing I know, I'm waking up in the ambulance. Well, I watched the video and I'd rode the bull and I got hung up. He kind of made a little belly roll and kind of rolled me over on my hand and I'd spun around him twice. And that second time I, when I had hung up at first, I'd hit his chest, knocked me completely smooth out. So here I am just hanging as he's spinning. And finally, his feet hit my shafts and jerked me under him. And when he jerked me under him, both of his back feet, both times that he come over the top of me, landed on the left side of my face. And that's when I woke up in the ambulance. Mm. That's, that's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> did that experience, when you have a doctor tell you that you were, like you said, two centimeters away from being dead, did that have an impact on you? Did that kind of turn you or did you continue on in the life you were living? No, um, not, not that time. It didn't. And, and back then I really wasn't doing a lot. Like I was, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't partying. wasn't smoking. It was just, I was a kid. I was a teenager. I enjoyed life, everything about it, but I still wasn't in the Bible. I still wasn't talking about God or I wasn't even thinking really much about him. And so no, that one, that one really didn't push me towards him. Not one bit, even though it probably should have. And we should mention as well that uh, you and I made a connection on TikTok, and that's how I found out about your mm -hmm. story. But go back to when you were five years old in the Oklahoma City bombing. Tell, tell everybody what happened there. Well, so my dad was in the Marine Corps, and he wanted to take me to the Murrah building to meet his drill sergeant. We lived out in Cherry Point, North Carolina, and um, he, was, he was stationed out there, and my dad and mom, you know, my dad's kind of a hard man to get along with. He really is when it comes to women, for sure. Uh, they'd always fight. Dad would do some stupid stuff. And my mom would stand up and say something. It, and it would just cause a huge argument. And so they were supposed to go. A fight started. I don't remember what the fight started with. They told me a long time ago, and I just kind of forgot. But if that fight wouldn't have started, and how I see it is it had to have been God allowing a fight to start. Because if not, 
I would have been in the murder building bombing. We showed up the next day when the bombing happened. We showed up two hours after the bombing. My dad couldn't do anything because he didn't have his camis. They wouldn't allow him to get in. That right there kind of tells me now, now that I'm old enough to really understand it and really put my trust in God and really kind of pursued him more. He's opened my eyes to a lot of things. And to me, that was one of those things. Satan was trying to kill me. Satan was trying to attack me. And God allowed that fight to start to stop me from going. Why? I don't know. You know, I've always wondered, why am I so special? Why, why me? And now that he's really opened my eyes, I'm allowed to see things and allowed to really put the past into more perspective. Well, and you've talked about the fact that you back in your teenage years and that sort of thing, you weren't doing the drinking and stuff. When did that all start? And what was the whole transport uh, transformation that brought you finally to the cross? Well, I didn't start really doing anything partying. I never really smoked or none of that until I was probably 22. But drinking wise, I got into college. I was a good kid in school, straight A's, straight, A, straight A's and B's. I ended up graduating with a 3.6 GPA. So, I mean, it was all about school and sports. I was a baseball hog. I loved baseball. Um, but I got into college and I had a scholarship to go play baseball at UNM and they told me to go to NMJC for two years. It's like, all right, cool. I'll go play ball at uh, JUCO for a little bit. Well, I got to JUCO and come to find out they had a rodeo team. <laughs> well, that's just a big dream of mine. My dad rodeoed for 24 years. He fought bulls. I was like, I just want to stay in this arena. And once I got into college, I started hanging out with team ropers. Worst idea of my life. Them team ropers are a little different than the roughies. So much different. They are trouble. And so I just got into the partying a lot and got into going down the wrong road and you know, sexual activities, drinking, just staying up all night, not really caring about life, just getting in that dark depression. And when it really, whenever it came back to me to really pursue God, I had this tug on my heart. And in April of 2020, I lost my grandma in January and I was talking to a girl and she kind of just shattered my heart. And finally, one day I come home from work, I was just full of emotion, just didn't even want to be at work. Didn't really want to even be alive. I just, I missed my grandma more than anything. And finally, one day I just come home from work and dropped to my knees and I, I just bawled and bawled and bawled. And I said, finally, God, this is yours. I'm done. I can't do this no more. I can't live in the world. I can't live the way I've been living. Take this from me. You know, this is yours. I'm done. And since then, it's just, that's when I had more of a passion and more of a pull towards me to start getting my Bible start reading. And it took me a little bit because like I said, my whole life, I've read the Bible to a point, but I couldn't get into it. I'd read a couple verses here or there and wouldn't read again for another week or two. And um, finally, now I can read a chapter a day. And if I don't read, I have this tug on my heart and the bottom of my stomach. You got to get back in it. You got to get back in it. So I don't miss a day. What do you think the difference is other than the fact you're older that you're getting something out of the Bible now compared to when grandpa was going, read your Bible. It was more of the free will, more and more free will. You know, I ha we have that free will. God gave us that free will to make our own decision in life and having that free will being a young teenager. I'm, I know I'm just going to enjoy what every other teenager is doing, getting, having fun partying at that time. I didn't realize you don't need alcohol to have fun. You don't need weed or cigarettes or any of this other drugs to have fun. And 
now, you know, being older, it you realize so much more when you stop going out to bars, you stop drinking, you stop getting drunk, stop smoking weed, stop smoking cigarettes. You have so much more fun in life when you do it. Yeah, it's okay. It sounds a little boring because you're older, but I have more fun when I don't do that things than I, what I did back then. And for that matter, you wake up in the morning, you remember what you did the night before. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And hangovers, once you hit 25, them hangovers are horrible. So yeah, no, I, I don't miss those days. So talk a little bit about your grandma. Cause it seemed that you said in, in uh, January of 2020, just a little over a year ago, your grandma passed away. What was it about your grandma that was that you had this close connection with? Honestly, I don't know. Uh, it was just, my grandma was my everything. It was my dad. It didn't really get along with him, his own parents. It wasn't that he didn't get along with them. It's just, he had a different mindset and they said he'd been like that since he was little. Well, he took his in his head that the other kids were getting more than he was. And so he took it wrong and it always in his head. Everybody owes me something. Everybody owes me something. Well, the Marine Corps was the worst idea for him when it comes to that mindset. And so it was just, I could go to grandma and grandpa when I was having issues with dad. You know, I don't understand dad. I don't understand this. And grandma's like, we don't either. We promise we've dealt with it our whole life. And I could just, I could go to her and let everything out. And she was there. And, you know, I never knew my, my grandma was a Christian. Never. They never, you know, I'd mention things about God and they'd say, yeah, they'd agree with it. I didn't realize how much of a Christian she was until her funeral. They brought out her Bible and it was wrote down everything that she stuck out in the Bible. Everything was highlighted and it just, it brought in another emotion to me of how much I really loved my grandma. Do you think that was one of the reasons why when this woman, as you said, shattered your heart, that that's what pulled you towards God instead of trying to find another woman to fill that void? Yeah, I think so. I really do. And that's the thing is like when it came to women, I didn't find them very often. So when I finally found one that I attracted to, she literally fit everything I'd ever looked for in somebody. But the thing was, she wasn't Christian. She, her family was from Zimbabwe. And so she wasn't raised Christian. I didn't look to that. I didn't care if they were Christian or not. You know, I've always looked at life. I can send, or I can bring them to God. I can mention God to them. They're going to change their life around that way. Thank God that he saved me in so many relationships that I've had. Because a lot of them weren't Christian. I didn't look at it that way, and I should have. But I think once, after she broke my heart and shattered it, it really had that gut feeling, hey, come back to me. And so I did. I started pursuing him more. I, I've stayed in Bible. I've stayed in prayer. And he's opened my eyes to so many of these blessings that I didn't realize were blessings at the time. And now I can look back on them. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, Satan's going to bring up your past. Satan will bring up your past. But God's also going to show you the blessings that he give you. Even when you ignored it, he's still going to show you those blessings and allow you to see, hey, I've been here this whole time. What's the old saying? Satan will bring up your past, so you have to show him his future. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because it sounds like there's a, I mean, uh, not like I have the mind of God, but it sounds like there's a real connection there when you lost your grandma. And that kind of was, you were still dealing with the grieving process of that. Mm -hmm. And your grandma sounds like somebody, a friend of mine always says this, spread the gospel to all the world. And if necessary, use words. It sounds like your grandma didn't use the words. She just lived and showed you Jesus without she ever loved, saying anything. She showed love. 
yeah. that's all my grandma was about is my grandpa and grandma um, of my dad's parents. They were both teachers and preachers or teachers and coaches. My grandpa really well known around the state. He's a, I like, I think he's five, six time state championship golf coach, a girls basketball coach, a football coach. I go anywhere I go. I can mention my last name. And are you related to Buck Chatham? Yeah. <laughs> How do you know him? <laughs> and so I can get a good conversation going with people just because of my grandparents. And it's, it's awesome to find out that so many people know them. And even my grandma, you know, I'll mention about it. Some lady one time I met that my grandma had actually taught. And she was like, oh, I love your grandma. I was like, everybody loves my grandparents. Everybody loves my grandpa and grandma. It's, it's um, just unbelievable how much love they showed to people by teaching them certain things in life, their morals, the values. But they were still stern and tough on them. But they still showed love. And it's just they were the literally the image of what I want life to be. I want their, if I ever get married, that's the marriage I want is showing, seeing them. That's, that's how I want life to be. So now you're just coming up on your first anniversary, so to speak of when you, when you came to God and said, it's yours now, what's this first year been like? Tough. It's, it's been very tough. Uh, In what way? Give us some examples of how it's been tough. Cause there's a lot of people that, they, they, they get, they get to that point of giving it to God, but then it starts to get tough and they drop away again. So give us some examples of what it was and then how you dealt with it. Well, see, my thing is I'm literally the only Christian around. Like I don't hang out with a lot of Christians. It's not that I don't want to, but I don't go to church. I'd rather watch it online. How I see it is we are the church. Everybody that thinks they're going to that they go to church, they're going to heaven. Most of them aren't the body, our body. We are the temple. We are the church. God is coming back to get his people, not a building, a church building, us. And so, you know, me being that way, I've just, it's rough being the only Christian around. My friends, nothing. I've had to hold, hold myself accountable. And I felt everybody's going to, we're in the flesh. But I mean, I've asked God, you know, hey, send me people. I need somebody to help me with this walk because, you know, I don't fully understand things. You know, even though I pray to him and ask him, show me the signs, help me understand better. It's, it's been rough on your own. Even though I've had my grandparents, I've had them and I could call my Mimi. Hey, what does this mean? You know, I, I kind of understand, but I want to get a hundred percent understanding on this. And so every time I do it, she would tell me, yeah, you know, th this is what this means. And so it's been awesome to be able to call my grandma and ask her these certain things when it comes to the Bible and, and trying to do this walk that I'm doing. And it's just, it's hard though, not having Christian friends around because having to hold yourself accountable yourself has been rough and it's harder than what most people have. Everybody's like, well, you need to go to church. No, I don't. I, I just, God has taken the candlesticks out of most churches. They're greedy. Most of them are in it for the money. You go to so many churches, they're talking about tithing literally every week. Why is that? Well, it's all about money to them. It's not about bringing people to God into the truth. It's literally about the money. But do it's, one it's, day, do you one day think you'll go to church? If I find the right church, I like, I found a few and kind of stopped in a week or two, but it just, things didn't set right with me. So I've been watching online. I've been watching Craig Rochelle. I love him. He's awesome preacher. He talks about the truth. And to me, I don't get this false prophet kind of feeling from him where you get from a lot of these other people. 
And so I, I literally just sit there every morning when I wake up and on Sunday, I'll, I'll open my phone and get on his live and just listen to him. But if I can find the right church, I'll go yeah. one day. Cause it is you're right. And even if you have social media, I don't think you can, you have to be a little bit worried of that too, I think as well, because you, do. you don't know who the other person is on the other side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I believe that. Yeah. Um, so, um, do you feel God's calling you to something? To a point I do, but I don't think it's teaching. I, I really don't. And I, I'm not hundred percent sure if it is or not. My grandparents and my mom both think I should be a preacher. My deal is, is yes, I'm going to tell everything about the Bible. I, everything is going to come from the Bible, but I'm going to add a story onto it to help people. You know, Jesus spoke in parables to me being telling a story behind it is going to get more people involved. It's going to allow people to see it better. And I just, I don't know. I, I can't tell you if he's calling me to teach. Maybe my way of teaching is just telling people about God and then, Hey, you know, hopefully God will call them to them. Yeah. We all have to realize we're just a link in a chain and we don't know what part of that chain we're on. If we're on the front, the middle of the, yeah. of the end. And so often we want to be able to be there when, when the harvest, when the person becomes a believer, gives their heart to God. Um, so it makes it difficult. Um, what, what things do you try to do during your day? I mean, did you go out and seek people that you can talk to? No, I, I have a, I work in retail right now. I work at Cavender's Western Wear, and uh, I lost my job whenever COVID started. I was making good money on the wind farms. And so I just had to have a job. So I come back to Cavender's and it's actually been good. And I think God's put me here to teach me. My thing is in life, you know, I prefer dogs over humans. A lot of humans aggravate me. I just don't like getting aggravated. And so being where I'm at, God's teaching me how to show that love by asking people, you know, how's your day going? Are you having a great day? And I'm allowed to tell people, you know, I'm having a blessed day. So maybe that can help people that also come to Christ as well. And so I think being in this retail job, God has his ways of kind of helping me grow. Even though I absolutely despise this job, he's still showing me, hey, you know, I'm teaching you to grow by the way you're talking to people. Because in natural day, you know, before I'd go into a store, I wouldn't talk to anybody. I wouldn't say, you know, how are you doing today? It was just, Hey, let me go get what I need and I'm going to leave. And so this has allowed me to kind of open up and be a little bit different than what I used to be. Do you think you can take what you learned from your grandparents and use that in your life now? Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think another deal with the, the job is I have two young kids there and one of them, this kid is innocent as can be. He, you just tell how innocent this kid is 17 years old. He has his cochlear implants. Good kid. Such a good kid. And, you know, he knew I was pursuing Christ a lot and he follows me on TikTok. And so one day he just started talking, you know, man, I want to know more about God. I want to know more about this and this. And so I'm allowed to sit there and talk to him about that. So that's a plus thing is I'm allowed to help him, even though I'm not the smartest when it comes to the Bible. I can't remember the names to save my life. It bugs the crud out of me. I can remember the stories with Jonah and the well, uh, David and Goliath and all of them but I can't remember a lot of the names. So I'll just tell him, you know, the main verses that stick out to me and I, I'll tell him where to start. I was always told, you know, start at Matthew. You're going to understand it better. The old Testament, you know, it's, it shows the truth, but we don't live in the old Testament ways anymore. And so I told him, start at Matthew, go from there, 
read a chapter a day or read a couple verses a day. You know, it's going to help either way. Think about what you, what you read all day long. It's going to help you. You're going to see so much of a change. You know, pray or ask God for forgiveness every night before you go to bed. You're going to see your life change. You're going to see the peace in your mind. My, my whole life, I've had nothing but hell in my head. I had nothing but dark, dark, dark places to go. Depression, anxiety, it was just, it wasn't suicidal thoughts, but I was like, dude, I don't want to be here no more. But I don't have the cowardness inside of me to kill myself. So it was never the really suicidal thoughts, but everything else, it was hell. So have those things gone away now that you're, since last April when you gave your life to God? 100%. I actually got baptized in December of 2020. Uh, Frank Newsom, I called him up and I've always looked up to Frank with the bullfighting world. And I called him up and I actually, I broke my leg in July of 2016 and I was going to go to his bullfighting camp and I was going to be baptized then. And, um, that's a, that's a whole nother story as well. We'd have to get into on breaking the leg and all that because God has shown me three times in my life whenever I was blinded by all it. Right, you, okay. Wait a minute, Colton, you brought it up. You got to tell the story now go back to 2016. Well, it's going to start sooner than 2016 uh, because of in 2010s when I graduated and my biggest deal, my dad's a Marine. I wanted to be in the Marine Corps. I wanted to follow in those footsteps. And in 2010, I graduated and I was going to sign my papers, go to the Marine Corps right after. Well, I tore my ACL my senior year, my last game of football season. That ruined me from going to the Marine Corps. That was God's way of saying, hey, no, you're not going to the Marine Corps. I ignored it. I waited a year and a half later. I wanted to go again. Kept telling dad about it. Dad went to the Marine Corps recruiter. Hey, you know, this is what happened to him. I want to get him in. The recruiter's like, okay, cool. We can work with him. So I go try to do that. I get a piece of metal in my left eye, half blind in my left eye. I ignored it. I was like, oh, I can still go. I'll, I'll be fine. I can cheat this test or whatever at the MEPS. Didn't work. So I gave up on that for another year and a half. Come down to 2016, I was fighting bulls, had a full rodeo schedule for Donna and Dwight Frick. I was getting to where I wanted to be in the bullfighting world, but I still had that thought. I still want to be a Marine. I want to go to the Marine Corps. So I went to a practice pen on a Monday and I had this bad gut feeling in my stomach. I was like, man, something, something's up. And I, I don't know what it is. One bull come out. I'm not scared. I don't get scared of a whole lot of things. That first bull come out and I had this just automatic, oh, wait this doesn't feel right. Something's going to happen. Now, I'm the type of person. I don't leave a cowboy hanging. I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to get in that gap. I don't care how big it is, how small it is. I'm going to take that hit. And that first bull, I stepped back. And I was like, Oh, this is not me. Something is up. And, uh, finally the second bull come out and I had just enough time. That kid fell off in front of me and I had enough time. The gap is literally that big enough time to throw my leg in there and pull this rider out of the way, and that bull knocked me down and broke my leg. Well, before that happened, my recruiter had called me and said, hey, we got all your paperwork to go to match. You're clear. Let's go. We'll do it Thursday. I snapped my leg that night. <laughs> that was God's time telling me, hey, you're not going to the Marine Corps. That is, this is your final, and this is it. You're done. That also kind of stopped me chasing my bullfighting career because of it. So that was a rough one. <laughs> okay. Now we can go to, we go to December of 2020 when the guy that you were respected in the bullfighting business baptized you. Tell us that story. I'd called him up and I'd had this feeling, you know, I'd, I'd seen a lot of these videos on TikTok and I knew you needed to be baptized. 
I knew that, but I'd never really wanted to. And I don't know why, but I just never had that feeling, hey, you need to be baptized. And finally, I'd seen all these videos on TikTok about baptism. I was like, you know, I need to do this. I need to get it over with. I need to do this. Otherwise, you know, I'm not going to be a true Christian. I'm going to be a lukewarm. I don't want to do this. I want to put my heart into this all. I want to pursue God. I love him. He's my creator. He's done everything for me. And so I called up Frank Newsom. I said, hey, you know, I gave my life back to God earlier this year. I would love for you to baptize me. He was like, man, I, I, it's an honor. I would love to. So I go down to Paola, Oklahoma, and it was cold that day, super cold. And uh, we, Frank took me down to his little stock tank, and, you know, he started reading the Bible to me, and he was like, you know, you gave your life to God. You know exactly what you, what we need to do, what uh, all this stuff. I was like, yes, sir, I do. I said, you know, I, I can't thank God enough for everything he's done. And I said, you know, I've always looked up to you. This is the only reason I've called you is because I really don't have a lot of people I would really look up to. And so he pulled me in that stock tank and it had to have been low 40s. I mean, just freezing cold. And he literally he's, did the, what he was supposed to do. I don't know the verse of what they read off when you baptize people. And he did it and dumped me in that water. And I come up just yelling, yes, yes, thank you, God. Just I was so excited. And my whole deal was, is my whole life, I've dealt with nothing but those thoughts in my head. And for the first two weeks after I got baptized, it was nothing but peace. I didn't know how to take it. I didn't, I never had peace in my head. It was peaceful. And I was just like, what's going on here? You know, the whole two weeks. And finally, Satan made his way back to attack. And finally, there comes the depression, the thoughts and all this sort of stuff. And I'm just like, I don't like this. Back off, bro. And now I've learned to literally rebuke satan and he just disappears i feel the depression coming on and first thing in the morning bro get away from here you're ugly and i'll talk smack to him i don't know if god's gonna judge me for that but i will i i talk smack to him bro you're ugly you know you're not allowed in my head in jesus name get away from me and he's gone it just disappears and finally it's back at peace so is there do you think a correlation this may be a hard stretch but i've been thinking about this is there a correlation about your walk with God and being a bullfighter? Is oh, there similarities? Absolutely. 100%. Um, to me, I've always looked at it. We are the angels in the arena. These bull riders fall off the ground. They can't see where they're at. That's our job. We're there because not all bulls are going to come and hit you. Not all of them are mean, but you have a few of those. When you hit that ground, that bull's turning back to look for you. That's where we step in. We're the angels. We're the protectors of that arena. And without God, we couldn't do it. I mean, we're facing 12... 12 to 18 to 2,000 pound animals that are most of the time mean, not all of them. So, yes, I, I believe, and honestly, everybody in rodeo, 90% in rodeo, are huge believers. And that's one thing that kind of drew me to Christ or to the rodeo arena in the first place was I wanted to be around that. I wanted to be around people that pushed me to be closer to Christ. And a lot of them bullfighters, Dusty Tuckness, one of the biggest Christians they are, the best bullfighter in the world, in my opinion. And they are huge on Christ. And so, yeah, get it, being in that arena has a lot of correlation to it. Is there a possibility God's going to use you, maybe not riding the bulls, but use you as somebody who's going to be uh, perhaps a teacher or a guide for those coming into the into bullfighting and lead them towards Christ? Maybe. I, I would love to. I would love to get back into it. I'm only 30 years old. No kids, never been married, nothing. It's literally me and my two dogs. I have nothing holding me in one spot. So I would absolutely love to be back in the arena to fight bulls. 
next to some of those guys. But I don't know what he's got planned. It, it would be awesome to be able to teach people to fight bulls. You know, I'm not the best, nowhere near the best, but I know what's right, know how to get there. I know how to do it the right way. Um, I would love to help people get that way, you know, teach them about bullfighting, but make them realize, you know, and without God, you can't do this job. You cannot do this sport. You know, you, if you, it's just, it's a, without him, it's, it's a different story. Yeah. I would have to think that, uh, you better have some faith if you're getting on the back of an 18 to 2000 pound animal. And I watched some of those videos on YouTube and I'm like, man, I can't understand how you would even want to do that. See, I wasn't on the back though. I was in front of him. I was the one protecting the bull rider. Oh, gotcha. Cowboy protection. Wow. And so, yeah, yeah, it's, that's a little different. Even being on back though, you still have to have that faith. A lot of bull riders are big Christians as well. A lot of them are really true believers and a lot of them aren't afraid to mention anything about God. And so it's, it's just the whole rodeo world. It becomes another type of family to you. And it's an awesome aspect of life. It's, it shows you so much meaning to it because, you know, we are taking care of animals, God's creations. You know, those animals are our babies when it comes to stock contractors, the actual ropers, you know, your bull riders, bullfighters. We don't abuse those animals. Most of those contractors, those horses, bucking horses, if you look at a two-year-old using horse and look at a 15-year-old bucking horse, they look the same. Why? Because those horses aren't abused. Those horses get better nutrients or, and are probably fed better and taken better care of than we are actually. And so that whole aspect of the rodeo arena and the rodeo life just shows you God created cowboys for a reason. Otherwise he would not have nobody to take care of his animals. And so, I mean, it's, I, I hope to be used again back in the arena. I would love to get back into it somehow. So let's talk a little bit. Of, I just want to, you mentioned the fact that what brought you to God in the first place was a woman shattering your heart. So now as a Christian, now how do you approach the desire to want to have a wife and family and that, or do you have that desire? I've had that desire since I was tiny. I always told my parents I was going to find me a blonde headed, blue eyed barrel racer. <laughs> I always told them that <laughs> I kind of went away from the barrel racers just because their horses are crazy. And a lot of them were a little bit crazy too. Um, but the thing with giving my life back to God and after getting my heart broke that last time, he's opened my eyes to seeing red flags that I look past. I can see a red flag right off the bat and I'm like, eh, nope, I'm good. I'm away. And so the, the desire is there strongly, but the way this world's going, I don't want to bring a child into it. I would love to get married, but I really don't want to raise a family in what this world is right now. What if the, what if the world needs something like that? needs a child you to have children so he can so the next generation has somebody to to grasp you know to lead them i know honestly i hope god keeps me single then because i'll end up in prison i'll end up i mean the way this world's going it's not gonna end up good i mean you see what big government's doing it's just not something i really want to deal with so I was going to mention this when you were talking about the young man that you work with that has the, that ha that's the 17 year old that's seeking. Mm -hmm. Is it possible? The only reason God's got you where you are right now is because of that one young man. And he wants you to be his, be a, a guide along his path to find him, to find God. It might be. And it honestly might be. And even not even just him, there's another kid. That's a young high school kid. That's even started asking me questions because he's heard me and this kid talking. And he mentioned it. Hey, where do I need to read at? Bro, open up Matthew, man. 
And it might be him. It might be a lot of other people, you know, like the kid I live with, the one that's kind of a mid-believer, doesn't believe, but does believe, you know, his grandma's a, a devout Christian. He's had so many things in his life go wrong that he just, he's got anger. He's, he's got a hardened heart. And me being around him, he can see how I am now. Like before he seen my depression, like he knew when something was wrong, he'd ask me, bro, what's going on? Let's talk. I'm good, man. I don't, I don't care to talk, but he would bring it out of me. And that's the type of person he is. He's got a good heart. I mean, if he didn't, I'd be homeless right now. I lost my job or didn't, I lost my house and I didn't have anywhere to go. It was just me and my two dogs. He's like, bring your dogs over. Come on. You know, you can stay at the house. You know that. So without him having that heart, where would I be? I wouldn't have a house. I wouldn't have a place to stay. And I think that's also has something to do with it. Maybe with me being close to God and really pursuing him and starting to learn more and really focus my life on love. I think that's also a possible reason being around him as well, or being in that job because we both work together. We both work at the same place. So it could possibly be those two kids and it might possibly be this guy. I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm willing to, just be that vessel for God. I ask him every morning, you know, if I, if there's somebody that needs to hear the words, you know, use me today. And I've seen my life change so much since I've been that willing vessel. You mentioned the word love. How has the word love and what it means in your mind changed from last year at this time to when you, now that you're saved, how has that changed? Whew, that's a, that's a hard one. Um, a lot of us, think we know what love is on this earth. We really do. You think love is, you know, just giving your time to somebody, talking to somebody every day, you know, some of your significant other or your sibling. Love's completely different. You know, it's, we wouldn't understand the real meaning of love in the flesh. None of us do. You know, there's, there's so many different ways to look at how love is. And love could just quite possibly, like I said, asking somebody, you know, how's your day going? You know, being friendly to them. It's there's so many different ways to look at it, but love to me is just, it's mind blowing. <laughs> it truly is what the actual true meaning of love is. It is mind blowing and none of us comprehend the true meaning of it. Not in the flesh. We never will. And we're of course talking the kind of love God and Jesus. Well, what Jesus showed us, which was unconditional love, as I've explained to people, it's being able to hang on a cross and look down at those Roman soldiers and say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Yeah, I mean, he sent his only son down there to die for our sins. That type of love is just, it's mind-blowing. You do not understand it, and you're not going to understand it very well. It's, it's a whole, I wish I could understand it. I wish I could explain it. It's, it's, it's a different story than what I thought love really was. So what does the future hold for Colton? Do you worry about, oh, I want to be this point in my life five years from now, or now that you're a believer, you're just like, God, send me where you need me. No, I want him to send where, where he needs me. I, I don't care what happens in the next day. I don't care what happens today. You know, I ask him every morning when I get up and read the Bible, use me. I'm that willing vessel. Everything is for your will, not of mine. I've looked at life and gone through my own will. Now it's, it's my time to show other people you. It's my time to tell other people about you if that's what I need. And I don't care what happens. It's, it's for him, and I hope he leads me in the right path. I hope he leads me to where he wants me to be. I mean, yeah, I absolutely love doing the things I do. 
But if he doesn't want me to do those things, then that's cool. Awesome. And I've got a better outcome coming from it. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Thank you for tuning in to God's Table Talk. Remember, you can listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor, and you can watch the full interview on YouTube. I'm your host, Paul Leck. Be blessed, but more importantly, be a blessing.